that little peace and quiet right there, right? Well, welcome everybody to City First Church. Nudge your neighbors, say welcome to church today. And also join me in welcoming all of our incredible City First Anywhere locations, Church Online, Cape Coral, Florida. Oh, come on, you guys, you can do better than that. Let them hear you. There we go. Our God Behind Bars crew at Dixon and Hardy, we love you guys so much. And those joining us on the Pando app. Well, you guys, I am so excited to be sharing with you today. It's always an honor to get to open up God's Word and learn from Him with you. And we are in this Do Not Disturb series. We're talking about having a life that flourishes by focusing on the idea of strategic disconnection from distractions in order to have purposeful connection with God. And we've gone back to the very beginning, okay, the story of Genesis in the Garden of Eden when things were perfect. How many of you long for when things were perfect, right? Um, and the way that God had originally intended it. In this garden, Scripture says that there were four rivers. And we're gonna, we've been talking about these rivers in this Do Not Disturb series because these rivers are, um, they, they kind of point us to the characteristics of Jesus. And so we are going to read the Scripture really quick so we all are caught up on where we are coming from. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 through 14, it says this, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It's, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. It is aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east of Asher, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. I promise we will make sense out of this in just a second, okay? But we wanted to talk about this idea of the four rivers. And if you think about it, it's kind of strange that this description of these rivers that watered the garden in the Bible, that it's even there, okay? It's almost like God is saying, what I plant, I will water, right? What I am growing... I will care for it. I will care for it. Because that's just like our God, isn't it? Just like our God. Even the way he designed creation speaks to his care. Speaks to his care. And these four rivers have names and meanings. And we have been looking at these over the last couple weeks. The first week we talked about the Pishon. And that was the meaning increase. That river, the word Pishon means increase. And we talked about that. Last week we talked about the Gihon. And that means bursting forth or gushing. And we used the word breakthrough for that. And you guys, last week we, it was a party here at City First Church, okay? I mean, we had stand-up church 
here at City First Church. As Jared talked about breakthrough, if you were not able to be here last week, I want to encourage you, man, hop online, hop on the app, and watch the last two weeks. You're not going to be lost today because you haven't watched those, but man, they were powerful words that I think speak to where we are right now in our culture and how having that strategic disconnection can help our life flourish in God. And today, we're going to be talking about the third river, and that is the river Tigris. Everybody say Tigris. And the meaning for this river, you guys, is rapid. Rapid. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I first read that meaning as I began to study, I was like, how in the world does rapid have anything to do with flourishing in our relationship with God through strategic disconnection? I mean, thank you, team, for giving me the hardest week, I think. Right? I mean, thank you, especially to my husband. Thank you, Jared. You mean, I think about it, when you think about it, I think the word rapid and do not disturb have nothing to do with each other. They don't really go together. In fact, we actually live in a very rapid world, right? How many of you, everything is rapid. Everything is fast-paced. Everything is moving, right? We're up at 5 a.m., and we got to get the kids woken up, drug out of bed, try and feed them, try and brush their teeth, maybe, right? I mean, we get them on the bus at 6.45, the ungodly hour of 6.45. That's the time Paxton gets on the bus. It should be against the law, I'm telling you right now. Amen. <laughs> you know, we have deadlines at works. We've got Zoom calls. We've got quotas to meet for the business. Those in the service industry right now, hello, they're doing like the job of five people. So can we just give it up for all of our service industry people? And you guys, can I just pastor us as a church for a second? If we are in line at McDonald's or at Starbucks or if we're at Target or wherever, can we bless the people who are actually showed up that day to do the work? And instead of being impatient, may we be patient and kind. May we, as City First Church, um, be the most kind and gracious people to the individuals who are working so hard right now and doing the jobs of five people. See, here's the deal. We do not lack speed in our life, right? Most of us live fast-paced. So again, how does rapid and this idea of this series, Do Not Disturb, how do they go together? How are they connected? And I don't know if I want any more rapid in my life. I actually like a little bit more serenity in my life, right? Everybody say the word rapid. One, two, three. Rapid. Rapid. The more I prayed about it and studied this idea, the more I realized that the river named Rapid has a lot to do with you and I having a vibrant, incredible, strong, flourishing relationship with God. It's actually, they really do go together. See, Rapid speaks to the adventurous, bold, and intriguing side of God. Second service, do you guys know that there is a bold, intriguing side of God? adventurous. You know, if these rivers speak to who Jesus is, then he is strong, he is bold, he is full of life, and sometimes, you guys, sometimes he's even a little wild. You guys wild today? Okay, that's what I thought, that's what I thought. <laughs> See, when we entered into a relationship with Jesus, turning from our old ways and saying yes to him, it wasn't so we could just start obeying a bunch of rules. Do you know that? 
and then slowly over time become dry and stuffy and pious. That is not what following Jesus is all about. Instead, you guys know this, we are invited into a life-changing, future-altering, purpose-giving, burden-lifting, joy-creating, freedom-producing adventure with our Creator, the one who made us, the one who made you. The God of the universe walks with us. He walks with us. And we forget this. I forget this. And after a while, we can just kind of get into a rut with God. God can become ho-hum. A relationship with him can become humdrum. You know, leave it to us humans, right, to make the God who created everything we see into a boring being. <laughs> The one who made everything from universes down to the smallest creatures and the smallest of atoms and molecules, right? We make him tedious, tiresome, and dull. The one who is changing lives like we just saw happen here. Hello, people. May this never become old to us. People saying, I have found Jesus and my life is different, right? If we're not careful, guess what? Over time, we can make him the God who's doing and working all across the world, right? We can make him into a tedious God, boring and dull, right? He can become uninspiring. We can actually tame the rapid of God into just a nice river. The rapid of God into just a nice river. You know, I like a river. It's a calm place, right? You kind of go there to maybe get away. You sit, but you pull up your lawn chair. You sit by the banks of the river. When I was little, I used to fish at the Rock River here in Rockford with my grandma. We'd go down there. We'd open up our, our lawn chairs, sit on the side. You, it sounds pretty. You can hear like the little, you know, the, the sound of the river just kind of like trickling along. You even get fish in the river. Oh, maybe not the Rock River. Don't eat the fish out of the Rock River. Um, in Cape, you guys can eat out of the ocean. That's good. Um, but you can actually, it gives you resource. The river gives us resource to eat, right? It's calm. It's tamed. But today I want to remind us that God is not just likened to a river. He is a rapid. He's a rapid. And he's powerful and mighty and vigorous and wild. And sometimes he is unpredictable. Unpredictable. Because guess what, you guys? He is not tame. God is not tame, and he is not safe. One of my favorite quotes from a book is found in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Has anybody ever watched the movie or read the books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis? Some of my favorite, my favorite books. And in these books, Aslan is likened to Jesus. And I want to read you a quote that talks about how the king is not safe. And it says this, Aslan is a lion, the lion the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Of course he isn't safe, right? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. God is a good king. He's a good king, and he desires for us to flourish 
And in order for us to flourish, you guys, we sometimes need to rely on the unpredictable, untamable rapids of God. You know, see, the Tigris River still exists today. And the river and the surrounding area are called, used to be called the Mesopotamia. I'm bringing some of you back to like history lesson in elementary, okay? And this place, Mesopotamia, back in early civilization, was called the cradle, uh, the birthplace of civilization. And like other river valley civilizations throughout history, the people of Mesopotamia relied heavily on fairly regular spring floods that spilled the rivers over their banks, leaving behind extremely fertile soil when the waters receded. See, what would happen is that snow from the winter up in the mountains, when spring took place, that snow would start to melt. And as the snow would begin to melt and it would come down the mountains, it would pick up, pick up pace, right? And that, those waters would become fast moving. It would become a rush of water down the mountain, a rapid, if you will. You know, and these strong, rapid waters would spill over the river banks and leave behind extremely fertile soil once the waters had receded. The people, you guys, listen, they relied heavily upon these fairly regular floods and rapids of waters in order to sustain their life. Wow. See, they understood that sometimes you need the inconvenience and the unpredictability of the rapid in order to have a place where things can flourish. The unpredictability of the rapid. You know, our relationship with God is no different. Sometimes we need the rapids, the unpredictable, the wild, the untamed God to interrupt us, to disrupt us so that we can thrive so that we can thrive because, of course, he isn't safe, but he is good. He is good. So I have a question for you today. Do you want a God that is supernatural? Or do you want a God that fits in the neat box that you have for him? Do you want a God that you can fully understand? See, we say we do, but really we don't. We don't want a God, a small God that can be fully explained. At least I don't. I want a God of mystery that is constantly revealing himself to me. The beauty of who he is, the depth of who he is, the majesty of who the King of kings and the Lord of lords is. Hello. I want that. But here's the deal. This untamed God we want actually interrupts and disrupts our lives sometimes. Right? He interrupts what? Our comfort, our selfishness, our plans. He disrupts our ways, our security, our egos. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> Am I the only one? I know I'm not. You know, when God begins to overflow the banks of our lives, we can be tempted, listen, we can be tempted to put up a do not disturb sign to God. We're like, whoa, God, I don't know if I want you overflowing those banks right there. I'm going to put up a do not disturb sign to you. I know, God, that you say you want my life to flourish. But that one area, mm, 
I don't know, God. I don't know if I can trust you with that. I know you want my life to flourish, but I don't know if I can trust you with that. So I'm going to go ahead and put up a big old slap up, a big old do not disturb sign right on that area. You know, maybe it's that relationship that you know is unhealthy for you. And you're like, mm, I don't think I can, I don't think I can, God. Do not disturb. Don't disturb that. Forgive that person. That is way too hard, God. Do not disturb. Go to growth track. God, I'm going to have to meet new people. And I know you want my life to flourish, but I don't know if I can do that step. Do not disturb. Surrender my anger. Do not disturb. Laughing <laughs> about that one, you're like, oh gosh. <laughs> Move past my failure, God. Do not disturb. Give in that legacy offering the pastor was just talking about. Do not disturb. <laughs> Love my neighbor. Do not disturb. Put the needs of my spouse above my own. Do not disturb. Share where I'm really at with someone. Do not disturb. Admit that I have a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. Do not disturb. Repent of that sin. Do not disturb. Serve at the church. Do not disturb. <laughs> Share my faith. Do not disturb. Take that risk in my faith. Do not disturb. In essence, this is what we do. We say, God, I like you as a calm river. When you stay within the boundaries that I have marked out for you. Have you ever marked out boundaries for God? <laughs> I have. But there will be seasons where God says, will you let me overrun those banks? Let me overrun the banks that you've marked out for me. Because it is all so that you can thrive. Do you know that? It's all so that you can thrive. So that your relationship with God can flourish. And so that his purpose can be accomplished inside of you. I'm so proud of the people who were baptized today. Because guess what they decided to do? They decided to said, overflow the rapid. Overflow the boundaries. I'm not going to set boundaries on you. God, I'm going to step out in faith awesome. See, I want you to see something. When we say do not disturb, stay within your banks, God. Stay there. We are actually limiting him. We're limiting him. When we say you can't go past these areas. No, we are limiting God. And to limit God means that we set up marks for him. We set up boundaries. In other words, we set boundaries on the king. We confine our God. We confine him. And we put limits on the unlimited one. We tame the rapids into a river. So I have a question for you. Do you know that it is possible for you to limit God? Have you ever thought about that before? You know that it's possible for you to limit God. I want you to let that sink in. You and me, humans. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a human. We have the power, you guys, to limit God. You know, and there's a story that's found in the New Testament in the book of Mark. And it talks about how some people, some humans, <laughs> actually limited Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we read that Jesus takes a visit to his hometown of Nazareth. 
And this is the place, you guys, where he grew up, right? It wasn't a big town. Most of the people who would have been in this little area called Nazareth would have been either family or people who would have known Jesus when he grew up. They knew of him. See, and at first when Jesus gets to Nazareth, all right, we're reading about this story, things start out really well. Have things ever started out really well with you and Jesus? You're like, yes, I love Jesus. He goes to the synagogue and he wows the people. He wows the people. And this is where we are at in the story. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, and it says this, he left there where Jesus was at and returned to his hometown, which is Nazareth. His disciples came along. On the Sabbath, he gave a lecture in the meeting place. He stole the show, impressing everyone. He had no, we had no idea he was this good, they said. How did he get so wise all of a sudden, get such ability? So people here, right, with Jesus, they're like, wow, this guy is amazing. He's so impressive. He is so good. We had no idea. No idea. He was so talented. What a guy. Have you ever thought that about Jesus? What a guy. What a God. He's amazing. Well, we know from another version of the story that is found in Luke is that after this initial wow moment, our untamed Jesus is unleashed, and he says a few things that make the people a little uncomfortable, and this is where we pick up in verse 3. It says this, but in the next breath, everybody say next breath, they were cutting him down. So they just got done singing his praises. But then all of a sudden, in the next breath, they were cutting him down. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy. We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers, James, Justice, Jude, and Simon. They're all like the town rebels, I'm sure. And his sisters. Who does he think he is? They tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling. And they never got any further. Jesus told them a prophet has little honor in his hometown, among his relatives, on the streets he played in as a child. Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there. Wow. He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. He left and made a circuit of the other villages teaching. What a gut-wrenching statement. At least I think it's gut-wrenching. Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there. Wow. Why? Why wasn't he able to do much of anything there? Because they had set up their banks. They had set up their banks. They had their idea of who should be the Messiah, of what he should say, of how he should act. And because of it, they limited Jesus. To them, he was just common, and he was ordinary. Jesus, you're just the kid who played on the streets as a child. Set the mark. Jesus, you're just Mary's boy. Set the mark. Jesus, you shouldn't talk that way. Have you ever said that to Jesus? Reading the Bible, you're like, whoa, what is this? We set our mark. Jesus, who do you think you are? Set the mark. Isn't it interesting that those people in Nazareth, they had known Jesus, but now they did not know Jesus. They didn't know much of him, and it limited them. Jesus works, you guys listen, Jesus works within the boundaries we set for him. 
We have the potential to limit God. I have another question for you. Do you think Jesus wanted to do miracles in his hometown? I think so. I mean, I think he would want to do miracles in his hometown. That's probably why he showed up on the scene, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I want the people I know best to meet Jesus and to have like a, an encounter with him and, and, and things to be changed. And, and I, don't, I think the same thing was with Jesus. He was like, I want my hometown peeps. I want them to experience the fullness of God. But guess what? They limited him. Their willingness mattered. Their fa faith mattered. The state of their hearts mattered. It mattered. So from this story, can we gather that the way we view God and the way we respond to him can actually limit how God moves in our lives? I think the answer is yes. You know, I've seen it, seen it. Time and time again in my life, there's been times in my own life where I've said, God, here's the boundaries. I don't want you to overflow those because, God, I don't know what's going to happen if I actually say you can overflow the boundaries with your Holy Spirit in my life because it's scary. But time and time again, I've seen God prove himself to me when I've given him permission to say, fine. And sometimes it's like that, people. Sometimes we think this, like, glorious cloud falls on us when we say yes to Jesus. And sometimes it's just like, fine, God. Fine. Just overflow, overflow the banks. I give you permission. So a couple more questions for you today. Do you believe that God wants your life to flourish? You guys have talked back church today. Second service on fire. Yes. I agree. Do you think Jesus wants to do miracles in your life? Well, see, if the answer is yes, then I propose to you today that we must welcome the unpredictable, untamed rapids of God in our lives. Because if we, we believe that he wants our, life, our lives and our relationship with him to flourish, guess what? Then even though it can be scary to say, okay, God, overrun the banks, but guess what? That's where this amazing soil comes, where guess what? Then you can plant seeds and it flourishes. And God's like, this is what I want for you. This is what I have for you. We must purposefully take down the do not disturb sign in the areas where he wants to overrun the banks so that we can grow in the fertile ground that he has for us. See, sometimes God wants to disrupt us. And I'm not, you know, ignorant of the fact that when he does that, it's uncomfortable and it's challenging and it's not easy and all the other adjectives that go with that. <laughs> but you guys, the rapids of God are where the adventure and the joy and true living with God, it is where that happens. And listen, it's not gonna be, it's not like your life is one whole ride in the rapids, okay? There was seasons, did you catch that? Seasons where you say, where God's gonna go, hey, can I overrun those those banks that you have for me? 
not going to be all the time or else we would just be like, whoo, tired. But here's the deal. There's going to be seasons where he says, can I overrun these banks? And when we think to ourselves, God's got my best interest in mind. He wants my life to flourish. Then it's okay to say, go ahead, overrun the banks. And can I tell you guys, as someone who's walked with Jesus for well over two decades, guess what? It is amazing to live in the place where there's fertile ground. When you said, God, over on the banks, it's scary sometimes, and it feels unsafe and unpredictable, but it is the place where you will flourish. See, the Bible, I, I love this, the Bible is actually full of stories of just normal, everyday people. And, and I want, if you've been coming around, if you're new to City First Church or new to faith, I just want to just remind you guys, this book is not just like a full of stories of like pristine, perfect people. It's actually people who really messed up really bad. <laughs> this book gives us a lot of hope, you guys. <laughs> Right, But in this book, there's a lot of imperfect, normal, everyday people who simply just decided in seasons of their life to say, all right, God, I give you permission to overrun the banks. People like Esther, Queen Esther, who was an orphan but turned into a queen and then said, God, you can overflow the banks of my comfort. Changed the entire destiny of God's people. Peter said, overflow the banks of my failure. The woman at the well said, overflow the banks of my shame and my disappointment. Matthew, the one who wrote the gospel of Matthew, said, overflow the banks of my manipulation. You guys, he was like a bad guy when Jesus met him. He was a, a thief and a robber, basically, stole from his own people. But he said, God, you can overflow the banks of my manipulation and my sin. Thomas, one of the disciples, said, you can overflow the banks of my doubt. Isaiah said, God, overflow the banks of my unclean lips. Jacob said, overflow the banks of my deception. Jacob in the Bible, you guys, he had spent his whole life lying. Maybe you're in this room or watching online, and you feel like you have gone too far because you've spent your entire life lying and running from God. Well, can I tell you today, Jacob did the same exact thing, but he in a moment said, God, you can overflow the banks of my deception. You can overflow the banks of my sin. It is never too late for you. Do you hear me say that today? I don't care if you're 90 years old in this place and you've done unspeakable things or if you're 12 in this place. The mercies of God are new for you and you can say today, overflow the banks of my life, God. Gideon said, overflow the banks of my fear. The mighty Gideon that we read about started off hiding in fear in a cave. <laughs> Paul said, overflow the banks of my safe life, the Apostle Paul. David said, overflow the banks of my failure in my wrong choices. Rahab, the prostitute who ended up saving a nation and, and helping save a nation, said, God, you can overflow the banks of my identity. And Jesus, whoo, Jesus, our ultimate example of overflowing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he kneeled on his knees. 
And he said, God, you can overflow the banks of my will. Jesus. You guys, Jesus had to have a moment like this where he said, Heavenly Father, I don't want it. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. I know what's coming for me. I'm going to be whipped to death till I'm like, I'm unrecognizable as a man. I'm going to be hung on a cross. But today I choose to say, Heavenly Father, you can overrun the banks of my will. And because of that, we have life and purpose and hope in Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, Heavenly Father, you can overrun the banks of my will? I know I am. Remember this, you guys. God is not safe, but he is what? Good. He's a good God, and he's king, and he's king. I have one last question for you as we wrap up. In what area have you set boundaries for God? In what area have you said, I'm going to set up marks, and God, I, I, don't, I don't want you to move past that. You've set up the do not disturb. In what areas? What area? What areas? And you might be thinking to yourself, Jen, you've asked a lot of questions today. <laughs> you're asking these, these questions because here's the deal. I want you guys to actually be the ones who are thinking today. Like you think about it. Because when you actually answer the questions, guess what? Then you're more open to go, well, yes, I do want my life to flourish. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's all right if I actually say, God, you can overrun the banks of my life. And then we can actually pause right now and say, God, this is the area where I've said, do not disturb. And when we do that, we can have a moment where we can go, God, I give you permission. I'm afraid and it's scary, but God, I want my life to flourish. So I give you permission. Today, will you give permission for God to overflow the banks? I want to close by reading a poem to you guys. And if you're in the physical building today, you're actually going to get a copy of this when you leave. It's a prayer called the Prayer of Sir Francis. And if you're watching online, you can actually download a digital copy of this just through our app. We did not forget about you guys. I'm going to read this for us today because in a world where people are really good at saying do not disturb to God, slapping up the do not disturb sign, don't disturb that God, that's way too close to my heart, may we have the posture that says disturb us Lord. We give you permission God to disturb us. Let me read this and pray this over you. It says this, disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. You guys, the rapids will show God's mastery. We're losing sight of land. We shall find the stars. 
we ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let me pray for you so that you can clap. Amen. Disturb us, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And no one leaving unless it's an absolute emergency. I just feel it's is a really sacred moment. Heavenly Father, I pray for us today. God, you are good, but you're not safe. God, and we choose in this room today to say, God, we give you permission. Whether we're watching online or we're in the room, we give you permission to overflow the banks of that we've set out for you, God. In our humanness, we've limited you sometimes. So God, I pray for my friends today, God, that there would be courage. There would be such a sense of courage and hope and strength. And God, may they even, God, through this week, God, and through this season, God, and through the next year, whisper that prayer, disturb us, Lord. We give you permission to disturb us. We don't want to be people who limit you, Jesus, in our lives. We don't want to limit the Holy Spirit. But we want to say you have full rule and reign. If you're here in this place, again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and, and you're watching online, if you are, would say today, Jen, you talked about Jesus and, and the life that can be found in him, and I want that. Maybe you've tried living your life on your own, but today you say, I'm done with that. Well, guess what? You can start a brand new life in Jesus. And it starts by saying a simple but a powerful prayer of just saying, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I turn from what I was and I focus on you and I turn to you and live your way. We call that making Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life. And with, again, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here in this room or watching online and you say you want to make that decision, just go ahead and slip up your hand no matter where you're at. Even if you're in your living room, that's your way of saying, yes, there's hands hands up. Yes. Amazing. What an incredible decision, you guys. God wants your life to flourish. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to pray a prayer all together so that nobody who raised their hand and is making this decision is praying it alone. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, today I choose to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. I turn from my old life to Jesus. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I receive you today, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can we give those who prayed that prayer a huge hand clap?